McLeod to look corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing to yell. A shot. Save made by all. Aguila's rebound. Another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. All right, we are underway. It is Wednesday, August 16th, and we welcome you to this hour of Flames Talk. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. Yeah, it's Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson, along with you, coming at you from Canyon Meadows. We're here at uh, Canyon Meadows Golf Course for the Shaw Charity Classic, presented by Rogers, which gets going on Friday for the PGA Tour Champions. Uh, we have got a busy hour ahead for you here on Flamestock because we're uh, we're going to open up the mailbag at 960-960. We are going to uh, take your text for a good chunk of this hour and just talk some flames because, you know what, it's uh, August and this is the only day this week that we've got Wes with us on Flamestock and Wes quite enjoys these mailbags. And we haven't done a mailbag in uh, a number of weeks because Flames Talk's been on hiatus for four weeks. So get your questions in now. 960, 960 on the text line. Questions about the Flames. i got some ones on Twitter that we can get to as well. But if you've got a question on the Flames offseason, whether it's Hannafin or Lindholm or some of the other names out there, goaltending situation, whatever the case may be, get them in right now. Put your name on the text at 960, 960, and we'll start taking your mailbag questions here in just a couple of minutes. Of course, Flames Talk. Okay, sorry. It's very important. We need some questions. So put down your puck, Doku. I haven't gotten into that yet, by the way. I just I I, I was away when it all started, so I, I still haven't jumped on that craze yet. You know, I uh, I maybe play once a week, and it can be fun. But I'm not on the everyday, not on the everyday bandwagon yet. Yep. But when you get a Flames one, you know, because we we've been following the Flames for a long time, you can come up with some pretty good answers. Yeah. It is fun. Uh, I'll, you know what? Then for you, I'll uh, I'll give it a try. We'll see if I can uh, give it a shot. Get on board with it. Um, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and as we uh, wait for some of these uh, questions to start trickling in and some of these texts to start coming in, um, it, it is the first time that you and I have done a show together here in a number of weeks. Uh, it's been more than four weeks since we've uh, we've hung out and Flames Talk went on a four-week hiatus, and nothing has changed, honestly. And, and, and it's not – we. I don't know if we were expecting everything to change. I don't know if we were expecting um, four or five different trades to go down in the matter of four weeks, but nothing has changed. And we're talking about the same roster on August 16th is when uh, July 14th right. was the last Flames Talk episode prior. Are, are, how, how surprised by that are you that we are sitting here talking about the same NHL roster? Well, I'm I'm not as surprised on August 16th. How do I want to put this? My level of surprise, I'm not sure, has changed significantly between July 14th and August 16th. Now, if you go back to the night the Tyler Toffoli trade got done at the NHL draft, if you told me then, well, there would be very limited change, you would have added a depth defenseman, but beyond that really had have retained your roster from that date, I would be surprised. Yeah. Because you're right. Like, we could go back. I think you said it was July 14th. 
I remember you doing a sign off at the end of that show. Hey, I'm I'm going to Europe. I'll catch up with you guys in a few weeks. Like if we could just, you know, Cam and Taylor are magicians. If they could just trim that part out of the end, <laughs> we could probably roll Replay that. It right yeah, now. we could probably just roll it. it. It has been that quiet. Even the speculation has been quiet of late. And so, am I surprised that the last four weeks have been quiet? I don't know about that, but I'm certainly surprised that the last seven have been as quiet as they have. Um, read you. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll jump right in on the text line at nine sixty nine sixty because uh, inevitably we start getting uh, three. We get three or four off the hop, then we start reading them, and then uh, they start pouring in. So we might as well uh, jump right into it because uh, this is a little bit of a limited time engagement when it comes to Flames Talk. We're back this week and next week for some shows, then off again. Then after Labor Day, we're back in earnest and getting ready for the start of the regular season. Uh, but yeah, get your questions in. Sign your name at nine sixty. 960. Uh, JJ says, gents, we hear a lot about Hannafin, Lindholm, and Backland, but are there any updates on Tanev and Zadorov? We heard some trade buzz about Zadorov around the draft, but other than that, it's been very quiet. That's right. I know that Elliot was talking a little bit about Zadorov's name was out there around draft time in Nashville, but really, it, it's been, it's kind of been Hannafin, Hannafin, Lindholm have been the ones that have been talked about most. Then a little bit on Backland, and I know there is that article in uh, the Swedish publication that that came out on Michael, but it really has been quiet on the other two defensemen in Tanev and Zadorov. Just not a whole lot out there. I, I'm not surprised on the Tanev front, um, and Zadorov's a mystery to me because. I do think he would be a player that would be sought after. I do think there would be teams that would be interested in him. But I also know that he has been very adamant about wanting to stay in Calgary. So he might be a guy that if you're the Flames, you'd like to take a run at re-signing here in the next number of months. That's kind of that's where I am on Zadorov. And I'm curious as to how the stories on those two evolve here in the next couple of months. If I'm working in an NHL front office, those are two guys that I have on the list that I've already started of guys that I'd like to circle back on somewhere in advance of the NHL trade deadline. And I think that is perhaps why it's been a little quieter. Certainly on Chris Tanev, I, I see him more as a deadline day addition, especially with his history of injuries. And now I'm talking, I'm not talking from Craig Conroy's side of the desk. I'm talking from the other side of the desk. I think Tanev especially and, and also Zadorov are guys that if you have a contending team that could maybe use a really good penalty killer in the case of Chris Tanev, could really use a steady presence in the case of Chris Tanev, could really use some snarl for a playoff run in the case of Nikita Zadorov, could really use the sort of swagger that a guy like Nikita Zadorov can bring to a team. If you, if you fit one of those descriptions, you're making a call about those guys you want to see kind of regardless of where the flames happen to be sitting at that point of the season if they haven't been extended what are your plan with these two guys but i think at least from my vantage point why it's been quieter is because those are guys you target around that time of the season yeah I, and that's that's a fair way of putting it i think especially with tanev 
that's the type of guy that feels like a trade deadline. I don't, I don't think that it's like a, a trade deadline bonanza, but I think there would be three or four teams that know they're going to the playoffs that would be interested in a guy with a $4.5 million cap hit, which is a whole lot less come late February. You know, I, I think there'd be a lot of interest in, in a guy like him. So I, I think that he's a really good trade deadline piece. What about what about re-signing Zadorov? Is that something that you'd be willing to look at? He's still a, a guy in his twenties. Would you be willing to go a, a four-year extension for a guy like Nikita Zadorov, who I think has shown has the ability to be an everyday top six defenseman, no question, and and has shown the ability to kind of straddle that four-five and 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 get himself into a second pair role at times. I I certainly would be willing to entertain a, an extension on Zadorov. Yeah, and I I think a big part of it has to do with what the rest of your blue line looks like and i don't even mean that in terms of the identities of the players because i think we know that but you know is noah hannafin by the time you're talking about extending zadorov is noah hannafin wearing another jersey how has oliver shillington sort of eased back into the line does it does he look like oliver shillington before he missed last season for personal reasons where where does he fit then on the depth chart based on his current form? I, I think you're taking all that. Like, you, you can't, I don't think, lose Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, and Nikita Zadorov all in the same season unless you're bringing back a fairly significant piece on your blue line as part of one of those trades. And so that flexibility that you talk about with Nikita Zadorov as a guy who can play in the top four when needed. Yep. You know, potentially you wind up with a, a top four that features Uyghur and Rasmus Anderson, Zadorov and, and Oliver Shillington. And, and not in those pairings, but those could be, you know, those could be the four kind of pieces of the current six that are left. And at that point, I'm absolutely considering locking him up. I really like the physicality he brings. I really like the the swagger. I, I keep saying that, but the, there's no BS with Nikita no, Zadorov, no. right? And, and we've talked and I think a lot. That carries over behind closed doors as well. Uh, it it absolutely does. And you need guys who are not gonna accept losing. And, and I know they all hate losing, but you need guys who are gonna be really owly when you're losing. I remember hearing about that sort of mentality that Owen Nolan brought to the mm -hmm. Calgary Flames 20 years ago. And so I think there's a lot of value there in Nikita Zadorov, and he is a guy at his age and, and bringing some different elements that other guys don't necessarily bring. He's absolutely a guy that I'd consider extending. Okay, uh, 960, 960, Flames bag mail, a Flames talk mail bag, rather, and uh, and here we are, it's starting to roll. Wedley wonders what kind of return could they get for a guy like Hannafin, and and I've said this a few times. I think the Hannafin return is if if you're ideally looking for what the Flames could get back, I think that you're kind of in the same conversation of other defensemen the Flames have acquired. This time the Flames would be trading the player out. But remember what they gave up to bring in Dougie Hamilton in 2014. That was, uh, was it 2014, 2015? That was a first-round pick and two second-round picks. And a couple of years later, it was a first-round pick and two second-round picks the Flames played uh, paid to acquire Travis Hamanick. And I think... Hannafin at the age of 26 with 598 games under his belt. 
I think somewhere it doesn't have to be exactly a first and two seconds. Maybe it's a first and a prospect, and that prospect is the equivalent of two seconds or, or something like that. But I think that you're looking for something in that range as to what Hannafin's worth because that's a guy who can play 23 minutes with his eyes closed. That's a guy that can give you 35 to 45 points a year. He's still young. He's a great skater. He really, there's been no regression in his game at any point. All he's done is progressed in my eyes. If, if Noah's not going to be coming back, and we don't believe he is, and if the Flames are looking to move him like they should be, that's the type of return I think that you should be looking at for a player like that, and you should not be making a deal until you get that type of return. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the couple of questions that you're going to be asked as part of that are, can we can we talk extension with him now? Because you're you're going to maximize your return in Noah Hannafin if, if he's already negotiated a new contract with the other team, right? That both Dougie Hamilton and Travis Hamannick, the examples you use were under club control, and that makes a big difference. Yep. And then the other question is whether the Calgary Flames are willing to take back an equivalent amount of salary to balance the books this season. And, and by that, I just mean, are you willing to take on the equivalent of Noah Hannafin's contract so that the other team doesn't have to do a bunch of salary cap maneuvering. It can all happen as part of that trade. And if the answer to those questions is yes, then there's no reason you can't get the type of value that you're talking about, at least in my eyes, for Noah Hannafin. As you said, he like he can play 20-some minutes and barely break a sweat. He, he is a plus-plus skater, which is one of the traits that every team is now looking for on their blue line. He has a ton of experience for a guy who is still in his mid twenties. And for that reason, this is a guy who should be able to recoup you a lot of value in the trade market. Yep. Curious. And, and it's why I say it, I, I made this comparison on Monday. I think it was. And, and on Monday I said, look, and it's, I'm not. I'm, this is not me who came up with this comparison. I just used it. I've heard it a number of times. But you know, when when Colorado traded Matt Duchesne in 2017, they waited until November, and everybody knew that Matt Duchesne and the Avalanche were headed for a divorce. Everybody knew that the Avalanche wanted to get rid of that guy, and Joe Sakic, who was not the same Joe Sackick as he is now as a cup winner and, and very widely thought to be one of the, the best general managers in the game. He was still a relatively new GM at that time. And a lot of people were critical of him. Like, why isn't he traded Duchesne yet? They're letting Duchesne play. And he waited. Duchesne had a good start to the season at a good October. And he got an absolute whale of a return in that three-way deal with Nashville and Ottawa. And, and next thing you know, people are raving about the job that Joe Sackick did because he was patient and he stuck to his guns stuck to his price and so if you have to do that if you're craig conroy if you have to wait until october or november to do that there's nothing wrong with that if you end up getting the right return yeah you're taking a risk but if the offers are as underwhelming as we understand them to be this summer i think it's a risk worth taking now we could be sitting here on november the 12th breaking down a deal that didn't look like Maybe the Flames thought it could, or, or we could be sitting here talking about an unfortunate situation that's taken Noah Hannafin out of the lineup in terms of injury. That, like, there's risk involved here. If you're going to sit on any of these pending UFAs, there is a risk involved. But 
as you try to maximize your value as a general manager, I think it's a, a risk based on what we've heard the offers have looked like that Craig Conroy is and has to be comfortable taking. Yep. Uh, this reads kind of on that same uh, on that same wavelength from Sean. Everyone seems to be losing their minds. The Flames haven't done anything with the UFAs yet. Other than Hannafin, who doesn't want to sign his next contract with the Canadian team, everyone else seems to be more driven by the culture and environment within the organization and the locker room. Based on that, I really don't think there will be any action before training camp, as a lot are going to want to get a feel of what the new environment is going to be. And that is an interesting kind of side note to the whole thing. That's from Sean in Calgary. Sure. I, I wonder. I wonder if all of a sudden you know, this season starts and it's a different vibe. And with Ryan Huska and Craig Conroy at the helm of coaching and management, if it's just a different feel and if, if that changes some minds and if that changes some outlooks in terms of the way things are going and maybe an undecided Elias Lindholm, if that's the case, becomes decided, says, you know what? I like this vibe. I want to stay. I, I am curious if there's a little bit of that that plays into what we see here in the next couple of weeks. I talked to a Flames player earlier today, actually, and, and I won't share the name because it's for an upcoming story that you won't see for a little while. But I I had an interview today with a Flames player, and I asked them about sort of, you know, you're not back at the Saddledome yet, but do you do you sort of feel that that permeating among the players? Like, is this change in philosophy? Is this new mood and new culture that we talk so much about? It, is there a sense of it happening? And this player said, yeah, absolutely. And there's okay. a lot of excitement among the guys about getting back for that reason. And we're not talking about one of the guys who is going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of next season. And so I don't know how that sort of new feel around that saddle though might impact what those guys are thinking about their future. But, this player that I talked to basically confirmed that, yeah, it's not just a bunch of bluster. It does feel a little bit different. There, There's a different attitude. There's a different sense around the team, and I think that can be a very positive thing. Uh, this from Barry in Longview. Could you please explain for me the current cap situation for the Flames? I'm a bit confused. As of right now, the Flames are over the salary cap by a couple hundred thousand dollars. Uh, they have got uh, 21 players under contract. When, If you go to cap friendly, that's how they're calculating it. They've got 21 players counting for a little bit more than $200,000 over the salary cap. They have until uh, just before the start of the regular season to get under that. There's still moves they could make. Um, they'll, they'll have no issue getting cap compliant, but they also, if they don't make any moves, will have very little wiggle room if all of a sudden they start running into minor injury problems and guys having to miss a week or two here or there. They, they are going to be, um, from a flexibility standpoint, there's not a lot of it when the season starts based on their cap situation right now. Obviously, they make a trade and they free up 2 or 3 or $4 million. It, it makes it a whole lot easier. But as of right now, with the roster, the way that it's set... Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot. Uh, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room for them. Yeah, and you'd love some wiggle room, obviously, for a variety of reasons, and and one of them being that there's there's a lot of useful players out there who are going to be sniffing around for PTOs, and I know, and and I could not be more. I I, I certainly endorse the idea that the Flames have that we want to we want to give some young guys some opportunities 
to crack the roster. We want to get some some youthful exuberance in our lineup. And yet, I think the way that you your sort of insurance policy there is that you bring in some older guys on PTOs in case you don't think the young guys deliver the sort of training camp performance that's needed to take those spots. And so you know that the Flames are going to be kicking tires on some guys who are out there, and yet, and you'd say this about a lot of potential employers across the league, but if you're a PTO and you're looking at a team that already doesn't have any salary cap space, it doesn't have a lot of appeal in terms of presenting a legitimate opportunity. Um, nine sixty nine sixty on the text line. It is our uh, Flames Talk mailbag. Uh, this says, uh, do you think... Conroy will go after some guys to add grit and toughness since guys like Lucic and Richie are now gone. That's actually really interesting because I do know that that is something that, that you know, I think Craig believes that just in my different conversations with him over the years, I, I, I do believe Craig thinks that there is a value in having players like that and, and, and having whether it be grit or protection or whatever word you want to use, but he also has been I, I will not forget one of the things that he said at his introductory news conference where he said he really doesn't want to be going to sign veteran players ahead of training camp. He, he mentioned guys like Cody Eakin and, and Sonny Milano and, you know, signing veterans or bringing guys in on PTOs ahead of training camp, which all of a sudden maybe closes a door or, or closes a door a little bit more than it could have been open. I, and so I, I'm not. I, I don't know if I'm expecting a whole lot more in terms of veteran additions between now and the start of training camp. I do think we'll see a PTO or two because that's how most teams go about their business. But I, I, I'm. Do I, I think he values that? I think that's why a guy like Walker Dewar is going to get himself a, sure. a really long look. But I, I don't know if there's going to be a a lot of deliberate additions in that regard either. Yeah, and I, I agree. I, I I could see one or two. Um, whether that's a, a PTO or, or maybe a two-way contract. Uh, and I certainly think some physicality, a little bit of snarl is something that's probably on the, the shopping list right now. Nikita Zadorov would be the guy who provides probably the bulk of that yep. on your roster. You're also, you know, if you're going to give young guys a chance, you're going to need to fill out your minor league roster, and, and we don't need to necessarily get in the weeds on that. But uh, there will be some additions whether they're signings or ptos but i agree with you like they're they're not looking to block the door and and they shouldn't be and it's one thing to come out on july 1st and even before that when craig conroy was hired and say we're going to give young guys a chance and and how you prove that is by getting to training camp and having those opportunities open and yet i think you could bring in a couple of guys on ptos and have not totally block the door either yeah it's uh pat and wes along with you as we continue along here on this hour of flames talk our flames talk mailbag is wide open get your texts in at 960 if you're listening live uh we'll answer as many as we can get to put your name on it there's still a bunch that we got to get to uh but get them in right now at 960 960 i do like this one it says i loved your use of the word bonanza too underutilized in my opinion it's a good point i, I think bonanza doesn't get enough love as a word in our lexicon i think we need to use it more yeah i i'm fully on board more 
More bonanza. Uh, so get them in right now, 960, This hour of Flames Talk on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're actually coming at you from Canyon Meadows in South Calgary. We're here for the Shaw Charity Classic presented by Rogers. It gets going on Friday when the PGA Tour champions tee off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Tickets still available at shawcharityclassic.com. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg, and today's show emanating from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown town studio crack foundation bowing foundation walls they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation contact basement systems they're all things basementy visit dlbasementsystems.com flames talk is live on calgary's hockey station sportsnet 960 the fan all right this hour on a wednesday continues Steinberg, West Gilbertson from Canyon Meadows here for the Shaw Charity Classic, which starts on Friday. Shaw Charity Classic presented by Rogers featuring uh, some of, if not all of, the top names of the uh, PGA Tour champions. Uh, tickets, information, and more. ShawCharityClassic.com. PGA Tour uh, champions gets going on Friday. They play three rounds Friday, Saturday, Sunday here at Canyon Meadows. 960, 960 on the text line is what we're taking right now. It's a Wednesday edition of your Flames Talk mailbag. We haven't done this in more than a month, so we've been taking your text, 960, 960, and we'll do so for the rest of the hour because why not? The Flames Talk mailbag is always popular. We always uh, get lots of good questions. We've had some uh, good ones so far and and funny enough they've all been focused on the players who uh, have not been traded or not been re-signed not super surprising that that's the case so far no for sure and it's uh the mailbag's awesome because we chit chat back and forth and say geez you know it doesn't feel like a lot has changed what what do you want to talk about today and sometimes it can feel like there's not a ton to talk about and our great listeners always come up with lots of topics to uh, cover off. So keep the questions coming. Well, this one reads uh, from Stephen Calgary. He's a Bruins fan. Says, as a Bruins fan, interested in what you would want, expect back if Lindholm was traded to Boston. I, I mean, I think if you're the Flames, you're kind of looking for the same thing across the board on a Lindholm front. Again, you're looking for a first-round pick. You're probably looking for a young player in his early 20s and and maybe something else if if you can get that back i mean that's that's probably what you're looking for for a guy like lindholm at this at this stage of the game and you know boston is a team that clearly is in need of a couple of centers because they just lost two to retirement so i i get it i understand why there's been a lot of linkage of the bruins and elias lindholm since patrice bergeron and now earlier this week david krejci both have announced their retirement retirement so i get the link and i i could see that being a fit for sure yeah and and without um you know without having the bruins roster and, and prospect pool up in front of me and without knowing it and, and without as pat's been listening to me complain about having access to my computer for the last uh, couple hours because of some it issues it's hard to put names to it like hey the package should be this and this and this but if you're the Calgary Flames, you want a first-round pick. I think you want a player who can contribute right away, and you can be flexible on what position that might be at because you have a lot of moving pieces, and then you want a really solid prospect. I that That's not necessarily what I've heard the ask is for Lindholm, but that's, that's where I'm starting 
my package. It's probably fair. I don't. Uh, I don't mind that at all. Um, this says uh, Dylan Dubé should hopefully get extended. I think he has number two center, fifty to sixty point upside. Would five and a half times six get it done? In your opinion. Um, I remember when I threw out a number on sportsnet.ca, I had lots of people yelling at me on, on uh, do we still call it Twitter? I've been gone for four weeks. Uh, but I had lots of people on Twitter yelling at me um, about suggesting six by six on a deal for Dylan Dubé, just based on what you're projecting and all that type of stuff. Um, I know that, you know, first of all, I know that there, there might be a little sticker shock on numbers like that, but I think if you want to be keeping a player like Dubé for as many unrestricted years as a six, seven, or eight-year deal would be uh, would be buying, you're probably not getting something in the $4 million range. You're probably having to go above $5 million to get that type of deal done. So would five and a half times six get it done? I don't know, but I don't think that it would be hang up the phone conversation from Dubé's camp because I think that that probably is somewhere in a range that might get a conversation going. Yeah, and the really interesting part of that text for me, and was there a name on that one? Can we give some credit? Um, that one did not have a name on Okay. It. The most fascinating part of that text for me is the suggestion that Dylan Dubé might be a solution to what could potentially be a, a fairly – big gap at center with the future of Elias Lindholm and Michael Backlund as up in the air as it is. And, and I think there's a lot to that. I've, I've quite liked Dylan Dubé's game when we've seen him up the middle at stretches of his career. And so that for me is just another reason that you do want to lock up this player. He, He brings, he, I mean, he might be the fastest guy on the roster. And if he isn't, he's certainly in that conversation he brings sort of a, a, a snark on the forecheck that I I think you covet. He is capable of chipping in offensively, and if he can help fill the void at center, then even better. So I don't know exactly what the number looks like, but there's a lot of reason to look at Dylan Dubé as a guy who can certainly be a, a big part of the long-term picture here. Uh, I like this one, uh, 960, 960 on the text line. Still uh, some time if you want to get your Flames Talk mailbag questions in. We'll get to as many of them as we can. Uh, this says, guys, please explain how Calgary is going to get young guys in. Nothing in the American League that can play besides Wolf or Pelche. And I think it's a fair question because I know that's one thing that Craig Conroy talked about is he wants to get younger, wants to give younger guys more of an opportunity. So I think there's a number of different answers to that to that particular question. First of all, Wolf and Pelche, there's two answers uh, right away. So that I, I, I think is, is Pelche barely played last year after getting his 19-20 game run. Uh, Wolf got the one game. So there's two right there. Um, I think that – go ahead. I assume you're going to say Matt Coronado next. Coronado? Yeah. I think Coronado is a guy that has a great chance of playing all season in the NHL. And then I even wonder, okay, and I know that you probably are not on the same page. I talked a little bit about this yesterday on, on Tuesday's show. But what about a guy like could could Sam Honzek get an opportunity to play six or seven or eight NHL games off the top? Like could he be the type of guy that makes noise in training camp and gets that opportunity? And then the other way that you can get a little bit more of a younger feel, it's not just new players, but 
For instance, a player like Oliver Shillington, who returns to the lineup, still young, a little bit more of uh, an expanded role, an expanded role for Dylan Dubé, all those things. So you have Pelche and Wolf as part of the conversation. Coronado's in there. Maybe somebody surprises you, Hans Zeri or somebody else. And then you also have some younger players who are, have already been NHL regulars take on more expanded roles. In my eyes, those are all different ways that you can become a younger group it not to pick on the texter and i'm, I'm going to echo a lot of what you said here but not not to pick on the texter but when they say but beyond wolf and pelche there's nobody on the wranglers that can play at the nhl level i i can tell you with certainty that the flames do not share that opinion of how bare you may think those cupboards are i i know that the flames believe there's other guys who might be closer to seizing an opportunity but i think it's important to caution here like when you say well yeah we want to get some some youth in our lineup and we, we want to get younger if if you make spots for matt coronado and jacob pelche and you have a spot for walker doer a guy who hasn't played a lot at the nhl level and then you're looking to work in dustin wolf well that's four guys who don't have a whole lot of nhl experience if that doesn't satisfy the, I guess, requirement, for lack of a better term, to qualify as getting younger. Like, if that's not enough, then I don't know what you're hoping for. This is not going to be nine rookies in the opening night lineup. This is not going to be... Yeah, they're, they're, they're not putting dynamite into the roster yeah. and, and going full-on scorched earth. Emilio Pedersen is not playing on opening night with Connor Zeri and whoever else from the Wranglers. And I'm not saying those guys might not get a chance. I'm just saying this is not going to be take half the Wranglers and put them in in the lineup. If if we're talking about Jacob Pelche getting an extended look, if we're talking about Matt Coronado being around, if we're talking about Walker Dewar now on a one-way spending the entire season in the NHL, if we're talking about Dustin Wolf getting his first meaningful run of starts at the NHL level, that's already getting younger. That checks the box. And, yes, would you like to see every time one young guy comes up, and it's one of the fun things about covering the team, every time a Jake Pelche comes up and makes a splash, people want to know who's next. It's part of the right. excitement about being a sports fan. And, and yet, I guess we need to hold our horses a little bit here. If if two or three guys does not constitute the start of a youth movement, I think you're going to be disappointed by what the opening night roster looks like. Um, a text comes in, and, and one guy that we didn't mention when having this conversation was Adam Rizicka and says, is this a make-or-break year for Adam Rizicka? And and I, I don't know if it's make-or-break, but at least from a, from a Flames organization standpoint, it might be a scenario where they're looking at him getting towards the, the, the last strokes of his time in Calgary. We know there is potential there. We know that there's skill there, and we know that he can play in the NHL. But does he, does he have the ability to do the things he needs to do on a consistent basis? That's the real question. And so, yeah, I, I, from a Flames standpoint, I think you might be getting into last chance motel conversation for Adam Rizicka. Whenever there's a coaching change, there's a few guys who feel like it's a fresh lease for them. And Adam Rizicka needs to be 
one of those guys, right? If if Art gave you the 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. time slot every week and said, hey, Pat, we got this new show. It starts at 2. It runs till 4. You're going to love it. And everyone else was sleeping. You'd kind of start to think, well, you know, what? what's the deal here? Does Art think I'm no good at my job? Adam Ruzichka has been working the two to four shift, yeah. right? Yeah. He's He's been doing morning skate and a whole lot of nothing beyond that. And so here's a guy who needed a new boss for a new opportunity to prove that he can play at the NHL level, but there's not going to be a ton more of them. It's on Adam Ruzichka now. And, and this is not me saying, oh, you know, Daryl Sutter needed to play Adam Ruzichka more. There was not enough consistency in Ruzichka's game last season. Yes. But you better show up this season and prove you can be in every night. Um, this from Tim. If the Flames go with three goaltenders this year, two questions. How long do they go with three, and how many games do you think Wolf starts? Tim should have added in, tell us your favorite memories of covering the last three goalie season in Calgary when Kari Ramo... Jonas Hiller and Yoni Ortio split the crease. Bob Hartley did not think any of them could stop the puck, and it was an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Uh, and they made the playoffs that year, won around that year, in fact. Um, <laughs> it's true. With Ramo and Hiller, Hiller. both starting games yeah. in that playoff uh, that playoff year. Sorry, I, I interrupted. Tim was wondering how many starts for Wolf. What was the other the, part the of that? The first part was how long do they go with three goaltenders? Right. Okay. For? It's hard to. It's it's. I think that they may be in a spot where they have to experiment with going with three, and maybe not three on the roster at all times. Maybe having to um, flip Wolf with him being waiver exempt between the NHL and the American League at times, but. I think they might have to do that, and it might have to happen for a couple of months, kind of similar to a lot of the other conversations we've had. It may take until the season's underway for a goaltender trade to materialize, and, and I know that the guy that we all talk about is Vladar, so it may take until November for Vladar to be a guy that there's actually some heated interest in or a really good fit the Flames are going to be able to get a deserving return on. So... I, I think there is a possibility they go with three, and I think that could uh, go on for a couple of months before they're able to actually consummate a trade. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think anyone who is not listening for the first time today knows how I feel about the, the three-goalie system. I, I just don't think it's a, I don't think it's a way that an NHL team can have success in, in how you're maneuvering your masked men when there's three of them around yet. Dustin Wolf's waiver exempt status gives you the opportunity to just bring him up to make a start, give one of the other goalies sort of a practice day with Jason LaBarbera and go on from there. And and the second part of that question is a, a, a tricky one because Dustin Wolf's number of starts for me is tied completely to what sort of season Jacob Markstrom has. If Jacob Markstrom looks like the Jacob Markstrom of – 2021-22, I could see Dustin Wolf finishing this coming season with less than 10 starts. If Jacob Markstrom looks like the Jacob Markstrom of the first four months of last season, I could see Dustin Wolf finishing this season with 40 starts. I really could. 
And so I think the number of starts that Dustin Wolf is going to get this season is completely tied to how Jacob Marster looks. Yeah, I there's uh, I, forty there's, might be a little high, but I I I I understand what you're saying though, and and I think there's absolutely a um, a correlation there, and yet. I think if they here's the last thing that I would say on on that particular part about managing a three goaltender system. The I, I think if you're the Flames, you have got to be very deliberate in terms of the way that you manage it and the way that you schedule it. In that, if you see times where you feel it's a good chance to get Dustin Wolf in. You can't, de- regardless of how well Jacob's playing, if Jacob is on a four-game win streak and playing really well, if it is a time that you can get Dustin Wolf in there, I think you still have to make that call. And I know that's not always easy, and I know that it is very it's, it's very tempting to just ride the hot hand. Every NHL coach, I think, rides the hot hand when they can. But if the edict is from on high that we need to get Dustin starts, we have got to find places to get him, and you're playing well, and Jacob's in a good groove, and you're like, well, we want to go Jacob here again, but this is where we had scheduled to go Dustin. I still think you got to go Wolf, and you have to you have to be okay making that tough decision, yeah. which is easier said than done. Right, and and it becomes even trickier. You know, I think you're going to try and shelter Dustin Wolf a little bit in the sense that you'd like him to face some lower quality opponents and and i realize there's not necessarily an easy out in the nhl but you'd like to warm dustin wolf up with the san jose sharks like you did in april right you'd like to throw him a bone against the arizona coyotes and yet you know if i'm jason labarbara as goalie coach i i kind of want jacob markstrom to get some of those games because it's going to help him feel really good about himself yep the idea is you know, if if you can string together a few wins for your number one guy, well, that's going to be good for his confidence. And, and so I'm sure there's a plan in place now, and I'm sure there's a second plan and a third plan and a fourth plan and, and probably a dozen more iterations beyond that. But you're absolutely right, Pat. That's a, That becomes a hard thing to stick to. Oh, and, absolutely. And it it's hard to commit to in August when you don't know what sort of results the team is going to have. And it's even harder in November when everybody is bought in. Whether you think they're a playoff team, you think they should win the conference, you think they should finish last, everyone at the Saddle Dome is bought in and trying to get a playoff spot. And when you start looking at those games, it's even harder to make that commitment. Uh, two more before we wrap up this hour of Flames Talk. Fun edition of the Flames Talk mailbag. Great stuff. This one from Kenny. Guys, where is Connor Zary in his development? And I would uh, I would answer that with he's still in his development. There's I, I think that he is behind where some other guys are in the prospect system. I think that Coronado and Pelche are clearly more ready for NHL action than Zeri is, but that doesn't mean that Zeri isn't progressing. And he also had the the misfortune of only playing a half year, a little bit less than a half year in his first pro season because of that ankle injury he sustained. Last year took some strides. I still think the pace of his game is something that that needs to continue picking up and something that I think he's going to have to continue working on on a very regular basis. And I think he's got an interesting challenge, and I know you've talked about this before, coming off the way his season ended in the playoffs where all of a sudden his role got uh, a little diminished as the Wranglers were going on. So I still think he's developing. 
Um, I don't think he's knocking on the door for an NHL job just yet, but I still think he is moving in the right direction. Yeah, you like the offensive numbers. He was second on the the Wranglers in point production this past season. You certainly like the offensive instincts, and I know Mitch Love, the Wranglers coach who is now an assistant with the Washington Capitals, was really harping on, on Connor to tighten up that defensive game and, and really to find some consistency in both the competitiveness and just the way he handled himself in his own zone. And I think a big part of it too, I actually think based on the offensive numbers, you could be tempted to move Connor's area to the wing and training camp and, and see if you might be able to get an injection of talent on your wings. And yet I, I think there's a real commitment from the flames to develop this young man as a center. Yep. Because they're going to need some. And Connor Zary, correct me if I'm wrong, 22 years old now? Yep, that sounds right. And so, you know, certainly he's younger than Jacob Pelche. I, I believe they were on the same world junior team. And so there's a lot of runway. Zary turns 22 in September, so still 21. Okay, so still yep. 21. Thank yep. you. Uh, so there's a lot of runway there for Connor Zary. And I, I do believe that they, they feel that he has a, a future as a National Hockey League center. And they want to leave him there to continue to develop. So I, I wouldn't be stunned if we saw a smidge of Connor's area maybe toward the end of the season or in an injury pinch. But nothing that I've heard suggests that the Flames think he's ready to be a full-timer just yet. And finally, uh, what about Jeremy Poirier? He's always caught my attention at Wranglers games. Maybe the most interesting prospect in the Flames system Needs a lot of work on the defensive side, but you can't teach the things that he does well. I uh, I know that the organization was really happy about the strides he took in his defensive game. I don't think the NHL is going to be coming calling in the near future, i.e. this season, but I think there's NHL chops there. I really do. So I don't think he's ready quite yet. I think at least another year of seasoning with the Wranglers is going to be really crucial for him. But, boy, I think that they've got a very fascinating prospect in Jeremy Poirier. And I think there's a lot to like about the way things are trending there. Yeah, and I do wonder if we see him around the Saddle Dome a little more than expected with the big club. Maybe not in games, but just I, I wonder if they want to sort of work in some time around the NHL team, even if maybe it's just an extended training camp look as part of his development, the new head coach of the Calgary Flames, Ryan Huska, has been working with the defenseman, obviously, for the past five seasons. Before that, even, was playing a really crucial role in helping Rasmus Anderson and Oliver Shillington, two guys who were characterized as really talented offensively, who needed a ton of work on their defensive game. He He's helped turn Rasmus and Oliver into really well-rounded defensemen. And you can bet if he sees that same potential in Jeremy Poirier, he's going to want to do a ton of work with him. Yep. Good way of putting it. Good to have you back. It's good, good to show. be back. Uh, that'll wrap us up this hour of Flames Talk. Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter, at Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. Taylor, Cam, our producers, back at Sportsnet 960 World Control. And this has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors.